Rico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Patrick Callanan. And I'm Sarah Callanan. Today in our feature, Enrique Sands from the Indiana Environmental Reporter talks about closing coal ash ponds. That's coming up later in the program, but first your environmental headlines. May 15th is National Endangered Species Day. It is celebrated to remind us of the importance of protecting endangered species and their habitats. Legislation on endangered species was passed during the Nixon presidency. The Trump administration has weakened many parts of the act. Whenever there is interest in exploiting a natural resource, the administration attempts to invalidate any threat to an endangered species. States also have their own laws and lists of endangered species. Federal and state lists typically differ. A state will include species that are in danger of disappearing in the state, but not nationally. Within a state, each county often has a list of endangered or rare species. A species that might not be endangered on a statewide basis may be endangered in a particular county. We report a few highlights of threatened or rare species from the list for Monroe County, as found on the DNR website. Reptiles, five. Most noticeably, the timber rattlesnake and the box turtle. Birds, 12. Notably, the sharp-shinned hawk. Mammals, 11. Almost all the bat species. Insects, eight. Four species of caddisfly. Amphibians, four, two frog species, and the four-toed salamander. Vascular plants, i.e., have specialized tissues for conducting water, minerals, etc. 26, the American chestnut. The 2020 census will be invaluable to the environment. Census data not only determine electoral representation, they also guide the allocation of billions of dollars in federal funds. Pressing the census count of frontline communities directly affected by climate disaster would further inequity, especially when those communities are in crisis and need emergency resources and fair representation from elected officials on environmental policies. The statistics from census data help assess the impacts of the climate emergency and environmental hazards on a community and the effect of government policies. Census data can also be used to enforce fair environmental protections, including those in the Clean Air Act and Safe Drinking Water Act. A fair and accurate count enables census data to be used to promote environmental justice and climate action. Thanks to the long and ongoing history of discriminatory and racist policies, people of color and poor communities disproportionately bear the brunt of the health and financial burdens caused by environmental hazards, such as oil refineries and hazardous waste dumps. 
Policymakers and civil rights advocates rely on census data to develop and implement fair policies and practices that advance climate and environmental justice. Great River Energy will shutter its big North Dakota coal-fired power plant several years early, an extraordinary move that underscores the waning cost competitiveness of coal in electricity production. Great River will close its Coal Creek Station, one of the upper Midwest's largest power plants, in the second half of 2022. It will be replaced to a great extent with new wind farms, including four in Minnesota. The Coal Creek plant, which supplies power to hundreds of thousands of Minnesotans, has historically been a low-cost energy producer, adjacent to a coal mine, a big competitive edge. But due to dramatic changes in electricity markets in recent years, Coal Creek is losing money. The real driver for this decision is economics, said David Sagow, CEO of Great River, a nonprofit wholesale cooperative. When the transformation is complete, Great River expects that two-thirds of its energy will come from wind turbines. Most of the rest will come from purchases in the regional wholesale electricity market. U.S. coal plants are becoming increasingly uneconomic because of the rise of gas-fired power and renewable energy. Those developments, combined with coal's environmental liabilities, are prompting more early plant closures. Jane Goodall wrote a piece for Manga Bay, a publisher of environmental news based in California. Dr. Goodall is such an important person that we have taken portions of the article for this story without edits. Her title is COVID-19 is a product of our unhealthy relationship with animals and the environment. Here is a portion of what she wrote. The world is facing unprecedented challenges. At the time of this writing, the coronavirus COVID-19 has infected over 3.57 million people globally. And as of the 4th of May, 250,134 people have died. The tragedy is that a pandemic of this sort has long been predicted by those studying zoonotic diseases, those that, like COVID-19, spill over from animals into humans. It is almost certain that this pandemic started with such a spill over in China's Wuhan seafood market that also sold terrestrial wildlife for food, along with chickens and fish. It is not only in China that wildlife markets have provided the ideal conditions for viruses and other pathogens to cross the species barrier and transfer from animal hosts to us. There are markets of this sort in many Asian countries. In the butch meat markets of Africa, where live and dead animals are sold for food, the hunting, slaughtering, and selling of chimpanzees for food led to two spillovers from ape to human that resulted in the HIV-AIDS pandemic. Ebola is another zoonotic disease which crosses from animal reservoirs into apes and humans in different parts of Africa. Scientists warn that if we continue to ignore the causes of these zoonotic diseases, we may be infected with viruses that cause pandemics even more disruptive than COVID-19. Many people believe that we have come to a turning point in our relationship with the natural world. We need to halt deforestation and the destruction of natural habitats around the globe. We need to make use of existing nature-friendly organic alternatives and develop new ones to feed ourselves and to maintain our health. We need to eliminate poverty so that people can find alternative ways to make a living other than by hunting and selling wild animals and destroying the environment. 
We need to assure that local people whose lives directly depend on and are impacted by the health of the environment own and drive good conservation decisions in their own communities as they work to improve their lives. Finally, we need to connect our brains with our hearts and appropriately use our indigenous knowledge, science, and innovative technologies to make wiser decisions about people, animals, and our shared environment. While meat processing facilities shut down and caused shortages in the beef and pork supply chains, Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods are seeing a spike in sales during the coronavirus pandemic, as The Hill reports. Beyond Meat has seen its shares soar over 100% since mid-March, as retailers request rushed deliveries to refill shelves across the country, a company spokesperson said, as MarketWatch reported. Impossible Foods announced that demand for its Impossible Burger has skyrocketed among home chefs. It will start selling its burgers at Kroger's 1,700 stores nationwide, a huge increase from the 150 stores that sold its burgers at the beginning of the year. In total, its plant-based meat is available at nearly 3,000 U.S. grocery stores, according to Forbes. The way Impossible Foods manufactures its products protects workers from the worst of the pandemic. Workers do not have to work shoulder to shoulder like their meatpacking counterparts. Indiana's large investor-owned electric and gas monopoly utilities have filed a petition before the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission asking permission to allow them to categorize lower energy sales as an expense caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and to permit them to collect those lost revenues from consumers. In other words, the utilities want to charge consumers for the energy they didn't sell because of the pandemic. The utilities filing the petition include Duke Energy Indiana, Indiana Michigan Power Company, Indianapolis Power and Light, Northern Indiana Public Service Company, and a collection of smaller gas utilities. Kerwin Olson, Executive Director of Citizens Action Coalition, a consumer advocacy organization, said, quote, this action is yet another example of the utilities placing profit over people. It is disgusting that during these unprecedented times, they are more concerned with quarterly stock reports than with the health, safety, and well-being of the Hoosier communities and consumers whom they serve, end quote. Olson went on to say that what the state should be doing is protecting Indiana consumers by extending the current shutoff moratorium and implementing a freeze on rate increases until the economic and health crisis has ended. Citizens Action Coalition previously called on Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb to create a utility affordability task force to address the, quote, financial cliff, end quote, that will come once emergency orders are lifted. That task force should ensure that customers can stay connected and afford their utility bills once the moratorium on utility disconnect ends. Renewable energy in the U.S. has beaten coal as the country's leading electricity source for a record 40 days. The record, reported by the Institute of Energy Economics and Financial Analysis, based on U.S. Energy Information Administration data, far surpasses the previous record of nine days last year. It suggests the falling energy demand due to coronavirus lockdowns could lead renewables to generate more electricity than coal overall for the first time this year. 
Falling energy demand is a boon for renewables because coal is more expensive, meaning it is usually cut first by utilities when demand falls. This has played out internationally as well. The International Energy Agency reported last week that only renewable energy sources had grown in 2020 so far and were expected to continue growing while all the major fossil fuels were in decline. This is a historic shock to the entire energy world. Amid today's unparalleled health and economic crises, the plunge in demand for nearly all fossil fuels is staggering, especially for coal, oil, and gas. Only renewables are holding up during the previously unheard of slump in electricity use. It is still too early to determine the longer-term impacts, but the energy industry that emerges from this crisis will be significantly different from the one that came before. The data also confirms that coal is on its way out despite the efforts of President Donald Trump to bolster the industry. And while the pandemic may have accelerated the shift, it did not cause it. As early as January, coal's market share fell below 20% for the first time in decades. Several utilities have also promised to phase out coal-fired plants before 2050. Quote, the fate of coal has been sealed. The market has spoken, end quote. University of Texas energy expert Michael Weber told The Guardian in 2019, quote, The trend is irreversible now. The decline of coal is unstoppable, despite Donald Trump's rhetoric, end quote. According to Utility Dive, Duke and Indianapolis Power and Light are estimated to have lost millions of dollars by running inefficient coal plants. Indiana utilities will have to answer tough questions about their coal operations this year as scrutiny over the practice of self-scheduling and its environmental and economic costs mounts. Duke Energy and Indianapolis Power and Light Company, or IPL, are both facing heightened inquiries from the Indiana Utilities Regulatory Commission, or IURC, over how often their coal plants are running uneconomically at a high cost to customers. IPL spent about $1.5 million more than it should have through November and December of 2019 by running its Petersburg coal plant continuously during a time of depressed energy prices, according to testimony of Sierra Club Senior Strategy and Technical Advisor Jeremy Fisher in front of the IURC. And evidence that Duke lost $6.9 million over three months in 2019 through similar practices was strong enough that regulators agreed to examine the utility's decisions. Much of the losses at Duke were at its Edwards Port plant. The move in Indiana follows similar examinations opened in Minnesota and Missouri to more closely monitor these practices and their impacts across wholesale power markets. Research from the Union of Concerned Scientists and Sierra Club has found utilities across the country are costing ratepayers billions of dollars by running these plants uneconomically with little to no regulatory oversight. More than half a dozen Indiana communities will soon take the first steps in cleaning up contaminated parcels of unused land blighting their regions. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency selected seven brownfield site applications from around Indiana for more than $2.7 million in grants. 
Brownfield sites are portions of land or real estate that are abandoned, inactive, or may not be used for certain functions due to the potential presence of hazardous substances or contamination. Currently, Indiana has thousands of brownfield sites across the state. The grant money will be used to conduct environmental assessments of the sites and produce cleanup plans to eventually revitalize the sites. Kurt Teed, administrator for EPA Region 5, which oversees Indiana and five other Midwestern states, said brownfield grants have been shown to increase local tax revenues and residential property values. None of the sites selected are in Monroe County. The closest area selected is just south of the county. The EPA selected the Southern Indiana Development Commission, which represents Davies, Green, Knox, Lawrence, and Martin counties, for a half-million-dollar Brownfields grant. The money will be used to inventory 25 sites and then select six sites for mitigation. Likely finalists include a 10-acre site in Washington that was formerly used for gas pump and refrigerant manufacturing, a former industrial solvents warehouse in Vincennes, and a four-acre site in Bedford with eight 8,000-gallon tanks thought to contain fuel and solvents. And now for our feature, we will hear Enrique Sands from the Indiana Environmental Reporter talk about closing coal ash ponds. On Earth Day, a handful of representatives from the Northern Indiana Public Service Company logged on to a video conferencing site one by one. Soon after, dozens of concerned citizens Members of environmental groups and agents from the regulatory entities overseeing the process logged on too. It was a meeting that would have been held in a public place during normal times, allowing everyone involved to say their piece face to face. But the potentially deadly threat of COVID-19 confined the meeting to the internet and over the phone. The virtual public hearing that followed would have real life implications for all involved. For NIPSCO, it was one of the final steps in a 16-month-long regulatory process to close the Michigan City Generating Station's five coal ash ponds. Closing the ponds on schedule would allow NIPSCO to meet federal requirements and stick to its money-saving goal of closing down all of its remaining coal-fired power plants by the year 2028. This is NIPSCO's Director of External Communications, Nick Meyer. That plan really represents a significant cost savings for our customers. That was really the primary driver behind our generation plan is what is most cost-effective options, you know, focusing on cost-effectiveness for our customers, as well as obviously maintaining reliability. Certainly there are environmental benefits associated with those plans, which I'll talk about in a moment. The cost savings were really the drivers, equates to about a $4 billion in long-term savings for our customers. The coal ash ponds contain decades worth of different types of toxic coal ash. Although the coal ash types have different properties, they are all toxic. Coal contains naturally occurring toxic chemicals and heavy metals that are concentrated in ash when it is burned, like it is in coal-fired power plants. The resulting coal ash contains arsenic, lead, mercury, and many other toxic substances that can cause damage to every organ in the human body. Coal ash can cause cancer, neurological damage, heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, and even cause harm to reproductive systems. NIPSCO's plan, the cheaper of two options, is to dig out hundreds of tons of coal ash from the five Michigan City ponds, dump it in its lined landfill in Jasper County, fill up the ponds with non-contaminated soil, 
and monitor the site for the next 30 years. This is NIPSCO Director of Environmental Policy and Sustainability, Maureen Terman. Under the CCR rule, there's two different options for methodology to close a pond. You can close it in place or you can do close by removal. We considered both options, looking at a number of different factors that would influence our decision on that. But ultimately, we found that closed by removal was the best for Michigan City. Although both methods are protective of the environment, closure by removal was the lowest cost option and also better aligns with the increased flexibility we're looking for for future use at Michigan City. Based on the CCR rule compliance timeline, we must have the Michigan City bonds closed by 2023. If we're able to begin work as we hoped in 2020, as we have planned, we expect to be done actually in 2021, earlier than required by the rule. NIPSCO's decision will save the company between five to $10 million. Many residents are concerned the plan may allow the company to do the bare minimum allowed by law, endangering the health of people living near the Michigan City Generating Station for decades to come. This is LaTanya Troutman, Environmental and Climate Justice Chair of the LaPorte branch of the NAACP. Right now, with heavy polluters such as NIPSCO, we have a major crisis here that is preventing us from living in this kind of health and safe environment. And so this is the overall impact that we're having. And that just kind of really brings it home to why we need a just transition here within the Northwest Indiana area so that we can fight the bad that we see now that are happening in our community and be able to change the story. Troutman is also part of Just Transition Northwest Indiana a coalition of community groups seeking a just transition away from fossil fuels and its toxic infrastructure. She said polluting systems have aggravated respiratory issues and other health vulnerabilities that have predominantly affected people of color and low-income communities. According to the Clean Air Task Force, about 27,458 people live within three miles of the Michigan City Generating Station. Air pollution from the plant leads to an increase of about 21 deaths per year, at least nine more asthma emergency room visits, 13 more heart attacks, 13 more asthma attacks, and nearly a thousand more work lost days. Coal ash contributes to even more health issues. NIPSCO reported its coal ash ponds were contaminating groundwater with arsenic, lithium, molybdenum, and thallium above legal drinking water levels. About 77% of samples in at least one pond were above the amount allowed in drinking water. The amount of arsenic detected in groundwater at its boiler slag pond was four times the amount allowed in drinking water. Chronic exposure to arsenic can cause lung and skin cancers, fatty degeneration of the heart, toxic hepatitis, kidney failure, and many other serious health effects, including, of course, death. Lithium, which can affect the kidneys, was found at four times the amount allowed in drinking water. Molybdenum can damage a reproductive system and was found at more than 1.6 times allowed in drinking water. Thallium can be fatal from a dose as low as one gram and can also affect the nervous system, lung, heart, liver, and kidney. That was found at levels 2.8 times greater than those allowed in drinking water. LaPorte and Jasper counties have some of the highest rates of heart disease deaths in the state. LaPorte County also has one of the highest cancer incidence rates in the state. Both LaPorte and Jasper counties have lung cancer incidence rates above the state average. NIPSCO reiterated its belief in the safety of its coal ash ponds at the virtual meeting. This is NIPSCO's manager of environmental remediation, Mark Oaken. We did have a couple hits of arsenic both in, not in the surface water, but in the pore water at levels that were much lower than the thresholds. They were just above the drinking water standard, but that's not a source of drinking water. It's not a, what we would call, or toxicologists would call a completed exposure pathway because it, it, it was taken from a foot below the sediment level. All the surface water looks good. 
So right now with the data we have in hand, we don't have any indication that there's a risk to human health in the environment. But of course, not everyone agrees with that. Dr. Indra Frank, Director of Environmental Health Policy at the Hoosier Environmental Council said, there are more threats to human health at the coal ash sites than NIPSCO is willing to admit. First, hazardous dust when the ash is dug up and moved, both for the ash workers, those who are trying to do the excavation, and for the surrounding community. Ash contaminants in Lake Michigan and Trail Creek that could be getting into uh, the fish. Continued contamination of Lake Michigan and Trail Creek after the ash ponds are removed because there is a lot of ash buried at the site as fill behind the sheet pile walls. And I'll talk more about that in just a minute. And then an ash spill if the sheet pile wall fails. Nipsco's statement that arsenic was found a foot below sediment levels could belie its assertions about the site's safety. But there are some additional things that I'd like you to know about the site that aren't necessarily in their plan. The first is we do know that groundwater moves and at Michigan City, the groundwater is moving into Lake Michigan and into Trail Creek. So those contaminants are being carried out into Michigan City and Trail Creek. Frank also said that coal ash on the Michigan City Generating Station's 123-acre property could be found beyond the coal ash ponds. And that's an issue because from 1931 to 1972, coal ash, soil, and sand were used to fill in behind the sheet pile wall. So there's a lot of coal ash at the Michigan City site that isn't in the current coal ash ponds. Climate change impacts could lead to that undisclosed coal ash being spread beyond the confines of the plant property. Since 1895, the average annual precipitation in the state has increased by 5.6 inches. More rain is falling in heavy downpours, increasing the risk of flooding in Indiana. Most of the power plant's property, including its coal ash ponds, are in the 100-year floodplain, which could actually happen much more regularly than the designation suggests. The Government Accountability Office designated a Superfund site about a mile east of the Michigan City Generating Station as having the highest flood hazard due to its floodplain location. Environmental legal advocacy group Earth Justice also recently discovered that the Michigan City site was a manufactured gas plant from the 1890s to the 1920s, potentially making the site home to countless more toxic materials. This is Earth Justice Senior Counsel Lisa Evans. What we have learned, though, that's very troubling very recently is that the site before it was a coal plant was a manufactured gas plant. There may be, or there not maybe, there is other types of waste on that property that NIPSCO has to look into to make sure that those very, very toxic materials from the manufactured gas plant that operated from the 1890s to the 1920s, that those are not continuing to contaminate groundwater and how do they interact with the coal ash contamination. And it, you know, it really gets to the fact that this site has not been investigated fully to determine all the pathways, all the contaminants, and to get a cleanup plan that is fully, you know, what we need to do is arrive at a cleanup plan that's fully comprehensive. The public has an opportunity to voice their concerns about the plan or share suggestions about how to carry that out. There's a public comment period about that plan that basically starts today with NIPSCO's public meeting and goes on until May 22nd. And during that time, you can submit your comments on the Michigan City Coal Ash Plan to our state environmental agency. And those comments can include your concerns about the coal ash at Michigan City, your concerns about how it's being excavated, and the agency has to take those comments into account as it considers NIPSCO's plan for the coal ash. We'll post links about how to submit your comments on our website, 
indianaenvironmentalreporter.org. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolar.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman wrote the script and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Patrick Callanan, and this is Eco Report.